because it's always like these really heartfelt stories or yeah. overcoming adversity, like someone who, who like was in, in war or survived cancer or something like that, which is great, which is why people watch the show. Mm. But it's like, I feel like I'm just kind of like a, your average Joe. Like, I don't really have anything. And obviously, I, I kind of went with my basic story and they weren't interested with it the first time around. So time to hit the old drawing board. And fortunately, again, I have a very, very weird sense of humor. And the, I, I can explain to you guys how the Chad Flexington character came to be. What's going on, everyone? Hope you are well and have had a great week so far. Awesome episode for you. I have Chad Flexington on the show, uh, also known as, or <laughs> by his real name, Ben Udy. Uh, great episode, I, I, I think, because uh, Ben sort of has shown the another way of getting on Ninja, not just relying on a, a story, um, but but being able to create uh, a character, a persona that you can you can use. Uh, as a means of getting on and providing that entertainment factor, which I think is really, really important and very much underutilized, I would say, by a lot of applicants, um, especially when thinking about how to stand out. So I think uh, Ben's a really great example of what you can do, um, but obviously making sure that, you know, when you create these characters, not only do you want to stand out from an entertainment point of view, but you know, you want to also deliver and back that up actually on the course. So I think Ben's a very good example of, you know, being able to be entertaining. Um, but at the same time, you know, when, when, when the time comes, you, you can deliver. So I, I really enjoy this episode. Uh, we also go into a little bit of nutrition because Ben's like super jacked and shredded. Um, he's very passionate about it at the end. So um, he'll, uh, he'll, he'll explain how he, uh, thinks about food, um, which I think we'll probably have to do another episode on because uh, he could have gone on for hours, but I had to go. Uh, but yeah, great episode. Hope you enjoy. And always remember, if you want to get Ninja Strong, you need to get Aussie Grip. Best equipment in Australia. Uh, you can use my code Kadeem10. There'll be a link in the show notes. and You can get 10% off. All right, let's get on with the show. Yo. Here he is, my man. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Oh, yeah. Loud and clear. Oh, man. We have the Chad Flexington. That is Also me. known as Ben. <laughs> also known as Ben. A less known name. A less known alias of mine. I was, was going to say, it's probably the other way around with you, isn't it? It's, the, it's, it's really it's Chad Flexington, but also could be known as Ben. <laughs> yeah. The Ben guy's boring, though. <laughs> Oh man, I'm glad, I'm glad we could make this happen. Man. Actually, I've been thinking about this for quite some time. I it just, oh yeah, we should we should chat, and then I would forget, and then I'm glad you hit me up about it. So yeah, definitely. Yeah, I know because you'd reached out. Um, I was stoked to get to meet you at, in LA back in March before all the craziness started. Yeah. Um, and yeah, then obviously the the rest is history, as they say. <laughs> yeah, man. Oh, now was, here we are. Here we are, man. I was yeah, I was. I've gotten over it, but yeah, the moment, um, I, I don't remember which producer it was. It might've been, is it Anthony, Anthony Storm? I think he's one. Oh of yeah. Them. Yeah. Yep. I think it was yeah, the moment he just said, look, we've got to pull everyone in. And then he's like, yeah, we've got to postpone it. I was like, oh yeah. man. It, it was almost expected 
because everyone that was on set the day before we were shooting all of our b-roll and all the interviews and everything mm. and then like there's all this like kind of like rumors going around everyone's like oh hey there's like someone was saying we might not get to compete and then someone else saying like oh no like it's still the show must go on type thing mm. but then yeah obviously it, it was that night that they they sent out a phone call so we got it like 24 hours before we're supposed to compete like hey guys we're gonna postpone it. It'll only be a couple weeks so we can find a new location. It's like then five months later, four months later, whatever. Yeah, man. And you yeah, know that was a bummer. That was awful. But the weather, the weather was so bad. I don't think oh, I've yeah. I mean, I've been to LA a few times and I I don't think I've ever experienced rain like that. I mean, to think that like it was bad that Friday when we're doing a B roll. I mean, our being in that tent and it was just half drenched. Like you were just standing in mud pretty much. Absolutely. (laughs) There was at least like one to two inches of of standing water underneath that tent. Like they said, they could have found a high spot to set the tent up on, but they set it down in the Valley. It's like all the water that rain all pooled underneath this tent. So we didn't have any rain falling on us. We're just up to our waist in it. Oh man. Yeah. (laughs) That was awesome. That would have that would have that would have sucked for your costume. <laughs> yeah, I, I had. I don't want to give away all my costumes because I'm probably going to use them this year. Hopefully, that's fair. willing. That's um, fair. Yeah, I, I I'm a man of many hats and many absurd costumes. So <laughs> <laughs> I had a lot of tricks planned for the for that season, season twelve. That unfortunately never got to see the uh, the light of day. Oh, uh, that's okay. That's all right. We'll uh, we'll we'll fight another day. But uh. Ben, Chad, whoever you are. <laughs> um, so I think I think what I love about your, you know, you have this whole persona, this whole character, and I think behind it, you're actually. I mean, I remember when when they when you were on uh, last year, and they're like, "Oh, he's actually a you know a researcher," and it's like it's like he has this whole like academic. <laughs> That's this whole like really normal uh, or yeah more academic uh, work, which is awesome. So, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself and 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 how you found yourself getting into ninja? Like, were you always quite active when you were young, and you know what were you like as a kid and leading up into to ninja? Um, <clears throat> yeah, I've I've always grown up playing sports, all the the more traditional sports, football, basketball, soccer, played golf, volleyball. Um, kind of did a, a little bit of everything. I was very nice. competitive, so anything that I could get into, team sport or individual sports too, I always loved it. Um, yeah, awesome. But then getting into Ninja, it was, I, I honestly probably started watching it, I think, back when it was on G4. So that's like, oh, wow. like season one, one or two. Like, I, man, that had to be like a couple years after high school. I graduated in 2006. So yeah, I think it was like 08 or 09 or something, I guess, if we're on season 12, 13 now. That, that makes sense. Sometime around there. Um, yeah, come on. Like, there'd be that show Slam Ball. I don't know if you ever watched that on, on G4 or Spike TV. Nah, man. Uh, I've dude, been in Australia yeah. like 18 years now, so I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> it was basketball, but with trampolines. It's like, it would be normal oh, okay. dribbling rules and they'd hit a tramp and like do like a 30-foot dunk or like a double front flip dunk. It was insane. I don't know what happened to that sport. Like, that should have taken off, but it didn't. Oh, that's awesome. Um, Yeah, so anyway, so started watching it back then and always – I I grew up – I did gymnastics when I was younger, too. Okay. Um, Probably. I think I started from, like, five to, like, eight or nine, like, when I was was pretty young. Yeah. Um, My parents got me into gymnastics uh, before I discovered more more contact sports, I guess you could say. Um, And so I always kind of – from the first time I saw the show, I was like, oh, man, 
Like, I've got to do that. Like, kind of the, the whole classic, everyone who sees it the first time, like, oh, that looks awesome. I could totally do that. I could totally do that one. And then you actually get your hands or you, you, you try one of the obstacles and it's the most humbling thing ever. You're like, nope, definitely could. That's going to take some work. <laughs> um, but so, so my, my like, it went on for probably, I would say like three, four, five years or even more until like season seven. So season seven was the first season that I sent in an audition tape, a submission video, which was like 2015, 2016, somewhere, somewhere in there. Um, and I kind of went with, I've a, as you can, I'm sure, uh, make up from my, my ridiculous character. I have like a, a, a different sense of humor, I guess, <laughs> a little over the top. And like in my video that I made for season seven, it was so serious. It was just like very monotone, very like, oh, this is me. This is my family. This is my job. Here's a montage of me training. I'm sure you guys have never seen this before. <laughs> and, and like, lo and behold, it didn't get accepted. And there's a little bit of the kind of like motivating me to do another one. But then at the same time, like, you know, it kind of takes uh, the wind out of your sails. Mm. Um, and that was right around the time my wife was pregnant with our second child. And so shortly after that, she gave birth to, to our second boy and just very busy with life and stuff. So I didn't apply for season nine or eight or nine. So I kind of had like a little ninja hiatus. However, like the seed was planted and like I was already hooked because like I built like a few, I did like a cliffhanger in my garage and stuff and a pegboard. And it's like, that was pretty much the extent of my ninja training. Like I'd done a bunch of pull-ups in my garage and um, I mean, I was in decent shape. Like I've been working out and stuff, but like yeah. I didn't have any specific ninja training other than that minimal amount in my garage. Yeah. Uh, so, but, but there was that investment at that time. Like I built a, the, a little bit of a climbing rig in the garage. So the seed was planted and I had a couple year hiatus. And then, so season 10, it was January of, that's 2018, I think we are now, mm -hmm. and Kevin Bull had just become the manager of Dojo Boom, which is like that trampoline uh, place, kind of have like ninja stuff, trampoline stuff, uh, in Thousand Oaks, which is about 15 minutes from where I used to live in Camarillo. Yeah, okay. And my niece had her like 10th birthday party there or something. So like Uncle Ben had to go and uh, spend time because like I'm crazy guy on trampolines and and just asked like, oh, Uncle Ben, you got to come. All my friends like think it's the best. <laughs> and so I went there and it had like a little bit of a, a, a starstruck moment. Like to me, like, oh my gosh, like that's Kevin Bull. I totally forgot he opened up this gym here. And that was the first <laughs> time that I'd ever gone there. And so that had been probably like a couple of years since I'd actually got on Ninja Obstacles and had any interest or like, or, 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 or desire to do it. Mm. So I was there, um, I don't know, probably a few hours, think having way more fun than all the 10 year old little kids that were there, like <laughs> just the big kids just jumping around and everything. Yeah. And I went up and I introduced myself to Kevin Bull. It's like, oh, I don't want to miss this opportunity. Like get to meet him, shake his hand and stuff. Mm. And so we started chatting. He was like, kind of, he was like, oh, you, you've been doing like ninja stuff before. And I kind of explained to him like, yeah, I had tried, but I didn't get selected. Like I, I enjoy it, but never think I'll make anything of it. Mm. And then it was January. So like typically the deadline to submit is always the first of the year. So I just mm. missed it for going on for season 10 by like a couple weeks. Yeah. Uh, and that's what, then he, he was like, well, you know, like, yeah, you look like you had some pretty good moves up there. Like you don't have to submit a video. Like he's on my first season, which was like five or six or something. He's like, yeah, I did the walk online. And mm. now I, he, he's where he is. He was back then. It's like, Oh, okay. And that kind of relit that fuse like him, like, he was complimenting me and then he told me like, yeah, well, I got my shot just from going to walk online. So you should give that a try. And I'm like, you know what? I think I just might do that. <laughs> so, 
So, uh, so season 10, I did the walk online and I had no idea if for anyone who hasn't ever done the walk online before, it doesn't have any uh, knowledge of it or experience with it. It's some of these guys will literally line up for weeks and it's not like wow. a little bit different than they portray it on the show per se. It's, it, it's more like they're lining up somewhere else because the, from the moment it stopped getting shot in Santa Monica beach and it started getting filmed at universal studios, Universal Studios back lot is a closed lot. So you have to have an invitation to get in there. Mm. So a bunch of hoodlums can't just be lining up <laughs> like in line a couple weeks out. They'd call security and you'd be thrown out real quick. <laughs> um, like, but when it was so, I, I never did it in Santa Monica, but in Santa Monica, dudes would literally sleep out there for weeks in tents. And that's what Kevin was telling me. That's, that's what he was there for like five days or six days or something, like day and night. You couldn't leave your spot in line. However, that by, by the time that I had done it in, in season 10, it had evolved a little bit. And now that it was being shot on the back lot, um, there, there was a group, uh, a coordinator, who would like meet at a specific location at this park every day. Um, <laughs> Bill, I forget his last name, um, but he, he was the one who organized it. And I didn't know any of that, right? Mm. So on Facebook, A. Smith Design Co., they do a post like three days before they, they announce where the walk-on line is going to be. And I, I through going through different messaging boards, I found that out. So I was like, hey, this is where Peter, the casting producer is gonna be. And we're gonna do the whole walk-on thing uh, before they had the lottery. And so mm -hmm. I went there and me thinking like, okay, this is a Friday before. I think the competition that year was like, it started on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. I took off the whole second half of that week for work. And then the entire next week, cause I'm like, I'm gonna go there on Friday and I'll wait Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night. Like I figured I wouldn't be the first one in line. But I'm like, I at least gotta be top 20. I figure I'll have a pretty good chance of getting on. Yeah. And then, so then I, I show up at this park, which they said to be there like at 8 a.m. So I got there like 4.30 in the morning thinking, like, oh no, <laughs> I'm gonna be the first one there. <laughs> and uh, and I wait in the parking lot for like several hours, get out, like go do some push-ups, try to like get, I want to be like all pumped up and jacked and ready to go, like in case we had to do anything, because I had no idea what to expect. And uh, like, so I'm fully exhausted after like three, four hours waiting, like just doing jumping jacks and push-ups. Um, Peter, who's the, the, the head casting producer, he got there. And then I see like all, all at once, like there's just this whole swarm of people getting out of their cars once he arrives. And I'm like, well, I was here first. I kept on getting out of my car, kind of saying hi to everyone. Like I wanted them to know like, hey, I was here before all you guys. Like I get my spot in line. And then lo and behold, I find out there's already this, this, this list that's like 30 people long. Or like, I think I was... I'm pretty sure I was number 27 on the walk online. And that was being the first one there because there's already 26 people who had been waiting there in some cases, like for several weeks. Oh, and I guess they had this system like in the morning, you didn't have to stay there overnight because it's not like a public park and the police would probably come arrest you for loitering <laughs> at the park at night. So like everyone would meet at like, I think like seven or eight first thing in the morning. And then they would stay there till a certain time in the evening. And yeah. then they'd go home and then do it again. But they, I guess dudes had been doing that for like weeks. There was guys from like Arizona, from like out of state that were coming to do it. Uh, so I was 27th and I'm like still like trying to keep my head high. I still got a chance. Like there's been very, very seldom uh, a night that they got more than like 20 or 25 walk-ons through. Mm. That's kind of the cap. Like it's almost 10 people guaranteed. 15 is, uh, you might run, you might not. It's kind of 50-50 and anything above that, it's just kind of a shot in the dark. Yeah. So I was 27, but it's like, I've already gone through all this. Like I already took the time off work. Worst yeah. case scenario, I'll get to, I'll get to be there. I'll get to stand like in the walk-on area with all the competitors, hopefully meet some ninjas, maybe, maybe kind of open up a few doors, make some connections, do a little yeah. mingling, yeah. Um, try to attempt uh, at, at socializing. 
Um, but, and that actually ended up what is what happened. So they got through, I want to say like, I want to say like 16, 17 people walk-ons that night. So I unfortunately did not get to go through. And I, if he's watching this or watches this, Arnold Hernandez, I want to say he was in the walk-on line with me that year. He's a local gym owner uh, down in like in, in, in LA. And he was, I want to say on deck or like he was like on the starting line ready to go when the producers like as the sun starts comes up like all right guys that's a wrap oh, and, oh man that has to be the worst like standing up there like i felt bad man that that, that that has to be i mean i'd rather just be standing on the sideline because at least i didn't get like the hopes of like oh i'm actually gonna get a chance to run yeah um but what i did do is at the end of the night there's like hey everyone all the walk-ons who didn't get to who didn't get a chance to run tonight like thanks for coming this and that um trying to <laughs> just not make us feel like we wasted our night there mm. are all you guys that that want to come back that still want to get your hands on the course we're gonna need testers tomorrow for the city finals course mm. so oh and in case anyone doesn't know that as much as the tv magic makes it seem they don't film this the qualifiers and the finals weeks apart like the air on tv they're <laughs> filmed back-to-back nights for for anyone who's not in the, the inner circle of the ninja world. <laughs> um, so the next night, went back there, went home, slept for a few hours, came back by like noon the next day, um, and uh, got to meet Adam Sheldon, who's the, the head obstacle producer for the show. And uh, we got, got to run the finals course. So I got to do from, I think it was from like obstacle five or something, four or five, because they're making some changes as what they normally do for the first couple of obstacles. So we mm. tested from obstacle four or five and then got to go all the way to the end if you could finish the whole course. And I made it to like, I think I, I failed on the ninth obstacle that season, which was, which for me again, like having pretty minimal like ninja training and like going up there, some guys who had been doing this for a few years, I was like, ah, I felt pretty, pretty accomplished with that. That was, that was all right. And Absolutely. it was good enough to have Adam, uh, who's the obstacle producer, like, hey man, let me, let me get your number because we have, uh, if you're local here, we have, they have their warehouse in Burbank and that's where they build the AST. They build and they test all the obstacles or ATS. ATS, yeah. ATS, yeah. Um, AST is a security company. I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, so he, he asked him like, if I wanted to come do some testing at the warehouse, I'm like, yeah, it's like a 45 minute drive for me. I'm totally down. Mm. So then from then, which was March, uh, all the way till June, that whole season, season 10, I got to go down to the, the warehouse like once or twice a week, some weeks, and wow. test out all the obstacles that like debuted that season. So oh, that, goodness. That, that was insane. That was really, really cool. And so when you're testing obstacles, uh, Anthony Storm and um, I forget the other, the, the other executive producer, what his name is, but oh, all the, the head honchos Mr. are there. Grant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every, they're all there because like the ATS will do the or AST, like, whatever it is. I'm not gonna remember the three letter <laughs> acronym for them. I don't even know what that stands for. <laughs> whatever they are, the unknown acronym. Uh, they 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 set up the obstacles and then the producers are there, kind of just analyzing it. So they have like a tall guy go, they have a short guy go, they have a girl go. They'll have someone who's like who's a, a lot lighter than they have like a bigger guy go. Just kind of cover all the facets of different types of ninjas that are gonna face the obstacle on the show. Mm. Because it's, it's a reality TV show, so if it's just something that's way too hard that takes out everyone, that's gonna make for a really horrible episode, right? Yeah, absolutely. Sorry to cut the story off. So this testing, this is interesting. So when they are working out what obstacles they want to use, they do them in a warehouse. They don't actually do them on. They obviously test it again on course, but Correct. they actually test separately to the course brand new obstacles they're gonna that they want to select. 
in yeah, this think warehouse. Think of it as like a, a, like a rough draft, right? Like yeah. this is the preliminary stages of testing to see if it's gonna make the cut. And we we test where we we did back then. We test a lot of obstacles that never I never even see uh, saw make the course. So wow. there are some that just don't get don't get picked. They kind of hit the chopping block. Like nope, we're done with that one. We don't want that one. But yeah. it's interesting too. Like kind of the insider baseball scoop on it is like like if everyone's going through it way too easy, they're like nope. Like the like the they, the producers will be there on the side with their iPads and making notes like it's too easy. It's like the dudes will be there with like a grinder. It's like all right, cut off two of the four handles and make it harder. So you only have like two or like like just modifying it right then and there. Wow. Um, yeah, it's it, it's pretty awesome process. But what that allowed me to do was to get that like FaceTime with the producers and like I had continued my training and uh, it was continuously progressing like in my my abilities in the sport and so I felt that was good like getting to show them. They, they didn't get to see the Chad character yet. Oh, However, yeah. <laughs> they, they, I, I got to kind of strap my stuff, I feel like. So it's like, oh, man, this guy, well, at least one obstacle at a time is very proficient at doing them. My, I'm 6'2 and 200 pounds. So endurance is I, like, just doing one obstacle, no problem. Or going for like a massive sin, like that's right up my wheelhouse. Like that, it's like a big power move or something. But yeah. when you start coupling them one after another, it's like, ah, no, I can't hang on anymore. <laughs> So that's, uh, uh, let's see. So yeah, so that, that was season 10. So I got to test and I actually got to go to Vegas too and test some of stage one in Vegas. Oh, man. And then, yeah, so my, I, I went with a buddy of mine out there and we tested the first night, which was stage one. And then the second night we're in Vegas and we got distracted and I never made it to set to go test you. I think we were playing slot machines and stuff. But I got to test, I got to test it one night and then was played hooky the second night. Oh, <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> So, so then at, at that point though, like after doing that, it was like, I'm a hundred percent, like I'm getting on the show next season. Like I, I and I, I feel like I'd hit that, that learned that point, the tipping point in my learning curve. Where it's like, I realized what not to do on my submission video. I had got yeah. the opportunity to kind of show my, my skills in front of the producers, the obstacle and executive producers. So it's like, okay, I hope like at one point, one of them like actually said like, Hey, good job, Ben. So it's like, they recognized me by name. So like, all right, I got those seeds planted. And now I have to, now I got to be entertaining. Like I got to have a a compelling story and I've been blessed with a pretty normal, I guess you could say, um, not uneventful, but I don't have like any like crazy, huge overcoming adversary, adversary or like someone I know didn't just die. Like it's always like these really heartfelt stories or overcoming adversity. Like someone who, who like was in in war or survived cancer or something like that, which is great, which is why people watch the show. Mm. But it's like, I feel like I'm just kind of like a, your average Joe. Like I don't really have anything. And obviously I I kind of went with my basic story and they weren't interested with it the first time around. So time to hit the old drawing board. And (laughs) fortunately, again, I have a very, very weird sense of humor and the, I, I can explain to you guys how the Chad Flexington character came to be. Because contrary to what Matt Eisman said, my first night on the show at the City Qualifiers, saying like, oh, his lifting buddies gave him this nickname in high school. I don't know who told him to say that, but my, I did, my lifting buddies did not give me this name in high school. So not to throw Matt or anyone on Ninja under the bus, but <laughs> that is not how that Chad Flexington came to be. So my wife... Uh, her birthday, I don't know, four or five, five, six years ago, whatever, 
she had been bugging me like, so, hey, um, I need you to like make me a workout plan. And she had for kind of months leading up to her birthday. Mm. And I always, all my friends and stuff, I've been into like fitness and exercising and training and stuff for many years. So I have a lot of friends and, and uh, contacts that, like will reach out to me. Okay, Ben, can you put together like a workout plan or diet plan? And then my wife has always given me a hard time. She's like, you give all your friends and everyone else, you always set together plans. Why don't you ever do anything for me, your wife? I'm like, ah, <laughs> you got a good point there. I probably should do that. I should probably make time for the most important person. Yeah. Um, so I was like, all right, well, challenge accepted. And I'm not just going to make you a workout plan. Like, cause we have kid children. So she wanted something she could do at home. Like she likes watching those, like those, like 30 minute little, like high intensity videos. They put on a video and you just follow it on, on, on the TV. Yeah. So I'm like, well, I'm going to go way overboard on this and not just set up a workout plan. I'm making you the most epic, like 1980s workout video ever. Like total uh, Richard Simmons, like just dancing around in short shorts and a fanny pack. And so that's actually how I came up with the name for my wife's birthday video, Chad Flexington. Um, and it, it was, it was less just like wrestler, super Americana themed and more, inappropriately skimpy shorts and much more adult humor themed <laughs> um and yeah so that's that that video will probably never ever see the light of day unless like i show it to someone on my computer at my house that will never get uploaded onto the internet that i can promise you <laughs> oh right that'd be end of that'll be the end of the instant yeah. demonetize accounts blocked get this weirdo out of here <laughs> um wow so, so that that's how the chad the 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 genesis of the chad flexington character if you will and so then keeping that in mind like after and, and keeping in mind what i'd said about like this whole uh this, this path down ninja i was like all right so i'm gonna take this chad flexington character which like is pretty entertaining like it, it was a pretty big hit my wife got a kick out of it hopefully other people will too but i'm gonna modify him i'm gonna make him pg <laughs> it's gonna be very family and kid appropriate and uh, so I'm very much, very patriotic. So there's, there's aspects of the, the Chad Flexington character that are 100% me. Like that's, there's no, like, I'm wearing red, white, and blue pretty much every single day, as you can see with my hat and my jacket. And it's <laughs> just, that, 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 if you look at my closet, it's like there's black and white, maybe a gray shirt, and then just red, white, and blue. Those are the <laughs> only colors that, that, that I really wear. Um, and I also was a huge WWF wrestling fan growing up. So like 90s, late, mid, late 90s, early 2000s, I was big into wrestling, which like even still it's, it's, it's entertaining. Like it's so absurd and just so obscene mm -hmm. and over the top. Like, you know, it's, it's fake and it's all choreographed. Like it's, it's like an adult men's soap opera. It's still just entertaining <laughs> as heck because it's so silly to watch. So I was like, I'm going to totally bring that because for, for two kind of a, a, a twofold reason, I needed something to be creative and to sell myself. But mm -hmm. I also think like, the ninja the, the show it's you have to have that like it has to be diverse there has to be a lot of different stories a lot of different backgrounds so it's like mm -hmm. you see all these really oh this is a really compelling story this is really heartfelt it's very sentimental like a lot of feel-good stories which i love them as is everyone mm -hmm. else but it's mm -hmm. like i'm gonna bring the comic relief i think that's that that's the only thing i can bring to the table is just absurd comic relief so it's like yep that's me sign me up uh so that that was kind of how i started like crafting the, the the Chad Flexington character. Uh, oh, also last thing too, another part that's like 100% me in the Chad character is best decade ever, obviously the 80s. So it's like the music, the style is just so amazing and ridiculous and just, just. 
All right, we're going to take a short break and hear from our sponsors. Looking to start training like a ninja warrior or take your training to the next level? Well, look no further than Aussie Group. Aussie Grip provides superior training grips made from pure polyurethane with stainless steel hardware that is corrosion resistant. And they provide free domestic shipping. Aussie Grip are the leading innovators of training grips in Australia. If you are ready to become a Ninja Warrior, use the code KADIM10 for 10% off your next purchase using the link in the show notes. Hideous in some cases, like like I have to go I have to go like 80s theme like everything like wrestler 80s theme kind of like go with like the like the 90s or 80s like action heroes like Rocky and the, all the Arnold Schwarzenegger movies I had to kind of roll all that up into one package and that was kind of the birth of Chad Flexington wow um, which you can I have on my Instagram like my original video from season 11 that I submitted that like got selected however that was not my first video so okay. being a, a habitual procrastinator, I waited until January 1st to start filming. And it was like midnight, January 1st was the deadline. Oh my God. And it's so like, I had all this, I'd planned this out, uh, really, really good at, at planning things out, but poor on, on punctual execution. It's <laughs> like, I had just procrastinated time and time again. And then it was like, it was New Year's day and I hadn't submitted my video and I had like 12 hours to get it done. Mm. So I was like, oh man. Dang it. <laughs> I had two huge big plans. I'm gonna miss the deadline. So I did a last minute thing at like probably 5 p.m. I went out to my garage, which I had like a bunch of ninja stuff set up in there. Yeah. So I did like this four minute shot, this one hit wonder in like these tie-dye pants and a lifeguard fanny pack. And I put on the mullet wig and like a headband. And I just like, I'm like, I, I don't have time to edit this. I, I literally have completely run out of time. I gotta like, I, so no, it was two takes. It was like a four minute video and there's like a two and a half minute uh, clip and then there's a minute and a half clip. I couldn't get it all in one. Yeah. Like I made it like halfway through and then I did the second half all just so, so it was two takes that I just had to do one little smooth transition. That was the only editing I did on the video. And probably like three, four weeks after the, the deadline uh, for the submission videos, I get a call during the day when I'm at work. It's like, hey, Ben, so-and-so is one of, one of the casting producers. Um, I'm actually kind of disappointed. I'm drawing a blank on his name. Because it was like 100% this guy was the sole reason why I got selected to be on the show. It wasn't Peter? It wasn't Peter who made it? It wasn't Peter. So Peter is the, the head honcho in casting. He's the top, the top dog. Yeah, so yeah. this is, the, they have, um, in like casting, you're going to go through like your first wave. There's going to be guys that are kind of scouring through these thousands of videos getting submitted. And then they're mm -hmm. going to take theirs and they're going to take it up to the next, the next uh, person on the totem pole and so on and so forth, all the way up past the, the ninja producers, going all the way up to NBC executives, like who they want on the show. Yeah, so well. it, uh, Adam, Scott, shoot, I, I forget what it is. Um, yeah, yeah, that's anyway, <laughs> besides his name, he called me up and he's like, hey man, this is so-and-so, uh, one of the, the casting producers for American Ninja Warrior. And like that automatically, like your stomach's in your throat, yeah, like yeah. no way, dude, is this <laughs> the call? And he's all, so I got some good news and some bad news. Uh, good news. I thought your video was hilarious, dude. I, he's like, I totally, I totally get it. Like the whole wrestler kind of crazy theme. Like it's, it's gold. I really like it. Yeah. However, your video sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, all right. Well, I, I would probably second that because it took me about 15 minutes to make it. So it's not that good. Go, yeah. Like 
because I filled out, like I spent the time and you have to submit an entire paper or digital application, answering yeah. a lot of questions and stuff. And then you submit your two to three minute video with it too. So like I had written a lot of stuff, uh, all, all the things that were unique about me and this and that and the stories. And, and then I made that video. So he's like, yeah, your job sounds pretty interesting. And uh, like, we like your, your story, like your athletic background. I've done some other like less known kind of obscure sports. And they're right. like, yeah, that was really interesting. Like we can talk about that. But yeah, man, you got to make a real video. <laughs> like, all right, like that's that's. I guess I'll take that. Uh, take those punches. Stand in. Um, like, what, what? Like, what? What do you recommend? And so he kind of gave me some pointers. Like, yeah, just talk about. Like, let's go into more detail into your job. Like, do some filming of you at work. Like, what you do. How you incorporate ninja with that. Mm. And uh, and I was like, okay, like that's. I, I think I can do that because it's like, yeah, this was on. This is on like a Thursday, I, I believe. And he's like, I need to have this. I'm presenting it, all my choices to the next round on Tuesday morning. So I get it to me like Monday night or first thing Tuesday. And then mm -hmm. I can present you know, like your, your video and, and uh, show it to the, the next level up. And so that night, yeah, it was a Thursday. And I was training that night with my buddy Tyler Schlorp and Kevin Bull. We, were all, we went rock climbing at this gym in Thousand Oaks. And so that night, like, I was kind of nudging Kevin Bull. I'm like, hey, man. So I, they said they liked my video or they liked my character. And like, mm. I've been, we've been training buddies. Like, and we had been for, for probably about a year at that point. Mm. And uh, so he knew of like the Chad Flexington, the kind of the route that I was going. Mm. But I hadn't really shown anyone the video or just little snippets of it. And so it's like, they said I got to make like an actual video. But I, I, I think I'm going to need your help. I think I got to bring in some big guns. So I have my celebrity appearance in the video and I'll have yeah. way up my chances for getting on. So Kevin being a good sport was like, he was managing the, uh, the dojo boom at the time. Mm -hmm. And he's like, why don't you just come in tomorrow? Like in, in the morning before it gets all crazy and like, we'll film some stuff and kind of, kind of make it a run at it. So mm. I filmed that and then I shot some stuff at work and sent it in. And that's that video I have on my Instagram for like a year ago, whatever. Mm. Um, so you, you, you can see that. And I think after that, then the the rest is is written in the stars and the history books now of the, oh, the Chad Lexington character. That's awesome. We'll, we'll we'll get into your how your how your season went, but you know I think that's really important. What you just described in, in your your journey onto into working out how to stand out amongst thousands and thousands and thousands of applications because i think it's the thing is people think oh you know i don't have a story i don't have something that's happened or whatever but there's always a way around it but oh, yeah. and, I, and i think it's always that angle you can take there's always that there's always an angle and i think what you have described i think is perfect for anyone listening is you know everyone's got something quirky if you're willing to to show it off and, you know, you can spin anything in any way. And, and just the fact that you were able to use a character that you created, which we now know is for your wife, as, yeah. a, <laughs> as a joke. And, you know, it, it's still a part of you because there's still aspects of, of you in that character. So it's not like it's just a made up thing yeah. that you have to pretend to be. It's almost, it almost is a part of you. You just sort of drew it out and you were able to package it in this awesome way. And... You know, they loved it. And I think you're right. I do realize now that I'm thinking about it, I don't think any applications really provide uh, comic relief. As, as you said, everything's always so serious, isn't it? And 
and, and like like anything, not that, that that's a bad thing because it's great. And that, that's mm -hmm. one of the reasons it's so um, it's, it's so heartwarming. Like that's what people like watching it because it's all these success stories and it's like your everyday people overcoming adversity and like defeating these obstacles, which is uh, parallel to like overcoming obstacles in your everyday life. So that's why everyone can relate to it. Mm -hmm. However, anything, no matter how good, you almost get, you get fatigued watching the same thing over and over and over again. Like you got to mm -hmm. mix it up. Absolutely. So that was stirring the the mixing pot a little bit <laughs> oh absolutely i mean adding a little wrestling flair to it a hundred percent i think i sort of now that now that you i'm hearing how you how you come up with yours because like, i had to think about how could i get onto the us one what on earth could i use and i think yeah listening now taking probably i probably took some aspects of what you said uh oh. you know you're trying to combine things in australia that that you know could you be put together in some sort of comic comical sort of character um though that's not really me but i knew i needed something to to to, to stand out so um yeah, i haven't shit i'll have to share i haven't publicized my application video but I'll, I'll have to i'll have to send it to you yeah i got i want to check that out for yeah, sure i think i think you'll like it my friend my friend helped me so it's all it's really well shot and uh, so, so explain to me because i i'm not as familiar with your story how did you end up on the the American Ninja Warrior for season 11. How did that play out? Uh, well, season 12. So yeah, so this year. So, uh, so basically, uh, so I competed in on here in Australia, uh, first two seasons and then felt like I had my, had my run. Like I had my, had my time and kept trying to get back on and wasn't successful. I tested in season three, uh, and then, uh, didn't do too well in testing. Um, and then season four, I wasn't, particularly optimistic still got through because it's a bit different here i guess we we have an extra stage that you guys don't have so what they do is we apply the same way so you submit a video you've got uh all the questions you have to answer and then the producers go through all that and then they select uh let's say i think normally they do about 600 out of all the applications and they do a they travel around to all the sort of main states in the country and they do a an actual physical interview and oh, a fitness nice. test. yeah so they do they'll do a whole fitness test um so, so they've already selected out of that however many thousands 600 that they're interested in and then from that 600 uh after you do your you know you'll, you'll go to a, a gym uh, and they'll sort of do all your inductions, sign all your waivers and stuff. And then you will have an interview one by one with, uh, I guess some one of the, the lower producers. And then you're in your time slot. You'll be taken into the gym or wherever it is. And you will meet the executive producers. They'll give you the rundown of, you know, how the show works, blah, 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 blah. And then they'll get everyone sort of in a, in like a line and there'll be someone who will take us through a fitness test. Uh, and it, it's kind of really like progress. It used to be really simple. Like it was like, okay, five minutes, this five minutes, this five minutes, this five minutes, this It was still hard. Um, yeah. And then now they've gotten a lot more like ninja esque. So they're looking at body control and hops and landing and this and laches and this wow. and that, which is what they never did before. And now they're adding grips into the test and like lock offs. And it's like, Oh, okay. Now we're getting now, you know, now we're talking. So it's not the yeah. test. I, I don't think the physical test is the most important. It's the interview that matters. But then from that 600, they'll choose whatever the, the amount they're going to be. It's gotten gradually less every year. So uh, um, I think last year, like 150 ninjas oh, they okay. chose. 
So, you know, the odds just get even smaller and smaller and smaller. Um, so after not getting on season four, I had always had it in my mind that I wanted to try. Australia on right now? What season is Australia on? We're, we're up to our, we're going into our fifth. So okay. um, they actually have uh, auditions now uh, around the country. So um, different states are holding them. I can't say if I uh, am or not auditioning. Um, why, why is that? Uh, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta they, they, make, they make you keep everything under wraps. You basically oh, okay. can't even t- say if you're on the show until they tell you to, which is like uh, maybe a, a month out before um, airing. It's really secretive. See, and they have, they're, they're pretty secretive, obviously, on, on the American Ninja Warrior show. However, mm-hmm. like the second you get the call, it's like, oh my gosh, like everyone does their whole big, like the, the obligatory, I got the call post, right? Yeah, absolutely. Which I think is, oh, I wish, I, I feel like you should be able to do that, but they're like, no, 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 you can't tell anyone, you can't tell anyone, you can't, and then you have to wait until well after you filmed, until just before they air, then you, then they'll give you some photos and say, now you can announce it. They have this whole, okay. the whole thing they want you to follow. I actually kind of like that. That's, it's, it's that mystery. Like everyone's excited. Like, oh, I wonder who's going to be back on this season. I guess I can kind of see like the draw in that though. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. It's just, it, it's hard to hold <laughs> on. It's hard to hold that secret. For, yeah. It's, well, people are going to know. So it's like, you know, you can't, you can't hold on to it uh, for too long. Um, but I actually applied for season 10. I didn't finish the application because um, my video sucked. And I was like, I'm, I, this sucks. I, there's no way I can send this. So I held off on that. And then it was season 11. I got my friend. I said, listen, um, he's also named Ben, funny enough. Uh, he's a you know a videographer, so I said, "Listen, Ben, I've got this idea, uh, and I need you to help me flesh this out." So we fleshed it out, hashed out this idea, and then we went to a beach. Uh, we brought a barbecue, we brought shrimp, we brought <laughs> classical, you know, Australian beer and and chocolate and stuff, and we we, we pieced together this, and then I, I I put it together, but then I needed this touch because just the way, you know, he could color grade it and edit it nicer and he had better clips. Um, and we put it together. I was very fortunate. My mother had a connection. Um, so all my family, obviously I'm American. So my, my mother's moved back. So she's in LA and, um, all my family's over there. She, thank goodness had a connection into NBC. So at least when I submitted my video, there could have been an alert. (laughs) There was an alert for it. Uh, and, you know, I think we did a good, it was on the lookout for it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I think we did a good enough job and, and uh, yeah, I think her name was Samantha two days later emailed yeah. me and then uh, yeah. And then eventually Peter had to reach out he had to call my mother first and then, <laughs> and then we had like a, like a kept missing each other. And I think it took us like 36 hours for him to call and cause we had to call on WhatsApp cause obviously I'm, I'm in Australia. I've got an Australian yeah. number. Uh, and then, yeah, then that's, that's, that's how that happened. And it would have been really awesome because it would have made me the first ever Australian ninja to compete on the normal season. Cause obviously we've had, you know, Ben, Olivia and a few others come up for the international, oh, yeah. but you know, you've got to be a U.S. citizen to compete. So this would have been like, it was like a, it was a big deal. You had uh, a dual citizenship then? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I got the dual nice. citizenship. So awesome. that's, that's how I came to, uh, getting on. Or nearly getting on, I should say. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's that man. 
the last the season, uh, season 12 was the biggest. I had never like trained, prepared so hard for anything and had so much confidence going into something just to mm. have the whole rug pulled out from under you. It was, oh, it, it was it, man, it was depressing. It's like, what the heck? And then like, they're like, oh, they, they would send out emails periodically, like every two or three weeks. Like, all right, we're just, we're still trying to lock down a location, like hang tight. And it's like, you're, a part of me is like, this. who knows when this is going to go away? Like this, the season's done. I don't even want to work out. I'm going to start eating cake every day now. I don't even care anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but then like a part of you is like, no, nah, you got you to gotta keep going just in case. Um, yeah, it was, it was brutal. Yeah, I feel you, man. I was doomed because I was flying out that Sunday. So we were, we were, so I obviously was there like prior, so a good two weeks prior, so I could train and travel and, 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 and yeah. meet. You were jet lagged when you were competing. Oh, oh, well, I wasn't jet lagged, but I was, I was sick, man. I, I could probably keep no saying way. it every podcast I do, but I was like traveling. I think I did five flights in a six day window, just traveling uh, uh, west to, east and then stopped in the middle and then back to the west in six days so i was just toast so i think come saturday when we were actually run i was mm -hmm. so sick obviously it wasn't corona i think it was literally just lack of sleep oh yeah exhaustion yeah and i was really bad so i don't actually know how i would have gone anyway um i still would have run ran i didn't travel all that all that way but yeah man i was just oh, i just felt bad for everyone but that um, whole, even if, if, if the whole COVID corona thing hadn't started, well, to your point you made earlier, like the rain, it oh, doesn't man. ever rain in California, ever. And like I remember on my iPhone looking at the weather, the entire 10-day outlook shows rain every single day. It's like in my, my, my 32 years living here, I've never seen this. And then it's like, of course, the night, like the, the, the time slot when we're going to compete, just rain, solid rain. And what baffles me yeah. is the fact that the, the amount of money that production has oh. and they can't put a freaking tent over the back, uh, the, the, the back lot. What's it's like that? literally a narrow corridor that has tall buildings on either side. Mm. Just something across the top. I, I, ha, you can't cost more than like maybe like to do that whole strip, maybe ten twenty thousand $20,000. But like yeah. in the grand scheme of things, that's not that much. It probably costs less to do that than to set up all the trusses that everyone's going to be competing on. Oh, 100%. And I think what surprises me the most is that how, how come they haven't gone indoors for everything? I thought after the like after season 10 in Tacoma, which was a hit by the sound of it, um, oh, yeah. I'm surprised they didn't just go, you know what, we're just going to go indoors for everything. Um, but I guess I Universal, know. they got that, you know, that. I guess it is a cool set. I, 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 I don't know. but Yeah, that, that's just one of what in a typical season would be six different cities. So mm -hmm. it's like it's – yeah, they're like the what was the other one? Like outside, like the Mercedes Benz Dome or something in like mm -hmm. Atlanta. I think it's in Atlanta or something. Like it's a cool backdrop, and some of the other backdrops are cool. Mm -hmm. But it's like the lighting and inside a, an indoor stadium is way cooler, mm -hmm. <laughs> especially for all the production, all of the crew, the lighting crew, it, the entire production unit, and the competitors and the producers. It's it, it it's better across the board. Like. Doing this stuff at three, four, five in the morning sucks. Oh man, so oh. fun! It's an amazing experience. Is, is is like nothing else. But like, if you got the option, like, hey, we can do it at noon, or we can do it at midnight. What do you want to do? It's like, oh, that's a tough one. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh man, before we get sidetracked, you got to tell me. So tell me about your debut season. So 
you, yes. you redo this video and what happened from there? Tell me. All right. So <laughs> the biggest thing I think going into it, cause like I was stoked. I finally like, Holy cow. Like I've been, I've been pursuing this for years. It's like three years of like pursuing Ninja wanting to be on the show. Mm. Um, and I got on with this crazy character and I thought like, man, this is going to be like a double-edged sword now because I made this awesome character at the time I thought was just kind of absurd and like funny, this over the top character. Mm. How, how ridiculous is it going to be if I get on the show and everyone knows like my, my training, once I found out I was getting on the show, it's like, I'm, I'm all or nothing. I'm either in it a hundred percent or it's like, oh, I don't really now I'm not interested. <laughs> and once it's like, yeah, Hey, you're going to be on the show. It's like seven days a week, like two to four hours a day. I'm training and I have a full-time job at the time. I had two kids married. My wife works full-time at the same time too. So it's like, I'm wow. getting up at 3:45, 4 a.m. doing morning conditioning in the morning after the kids go to bed at like 8, 8.30, then I'm driving half an hour to the ninja gym or I'm going to rock climbing gym and I'm getting my grip and, and more ninja style training in. So it's like, I, I've been busting my butt for months for this, like training conditioning, also diet too. Mm. It's getting down to like three, 4% single digit body fat is a very regimented weighing out my food, prepping all my meals for the week. It, doing caloric deficits for months is the most miserable thing. Like, just hungry all the time. So it's, there's a lot that goes into it. Cause again, I'm, I'm a hundred percent all in. I'm not going to be like Chad Flexington out there in a crop top and a beer belly. It's like, I have to look, I got to look fit and jacked. I can't have a beer belly. I can't be drinking Coronas on the sideline. <laughs> um, and, and so a, a lot going into this, keeping all that in mind. I also had my family fly out from like Colorado. I had like a group of like 30 of my, my friends and family that all drove out there. And I'm thinking this entire time in the back of my head, I'm going to walk out there in American flag pants, a mullet and a crop top. And I'm going to fall on the first obstacle and going to be the biggest loser in the history of the show. Like, I will never hear the end of it from my friends. Who my, <laughs> watches the show, I'll never get to be on the show again. They're like, Oh man, this guy is a clown. <laughs> uh, it's partially true. But I, I, so I had all of that, like that fear, that fear, um, it, it, that, that, that the thought of that happening was just in the back of my mind the mm. whole time. Mm. And um, so I, I, I'm Christian. I'm a religious guy. It's like when I stepped out there, I said a prayer. I was like, hey, it, I, I'm leaving it all in the course. I'm just going to give it my gold, get everything I got. And I had, I, so my first run that I did, I fell on the first obstacle on the qual or on the fifth obstacle on the city qualifying night. So the first night. And it, that was, I think everything up until that point, like I thought the run, like, Every obstacle I completed, I was like, holy crap, man, this is going way better than I thought it would. <laughs> and there, man, in front, like, it's ruined now with the whole lockdown and, like, filming in front of cardboard cutouts. The <laughs> energy and electricity, like, I didn't, pure 100%, just pure adrenaline dumps. Like, mm -hmm. I didn't feel, I didn't have any idea what was going on. I was just in the zone. Like, I, I, I didn't script, I didn't plan, I didn't work on really, it, I didn't really have any idea what I was going to do when I got out there. You just see everyone going nuts, dude, and you just go nuts. Or at least I, that's how I handled it. Like, it's like, oh, man. And, like, again, keeping that, that same thought in the back of my mind, I can't come out here in this outfit and just kind of, hey, guys, like, yeah, yeah. if I'm not – if I am anything but insanely over the top and just obnoxious and in your face just, just ridiculous, it's, it's, it's going to come off as awkward, I feel like. Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. 
fortunately, I enjoy it. Again, that's just, that's kind of right up my alley. So it's like, oh man, I just got to go nuts with this. So like all the silly antics, like I did after every obstacle is just like, I was just, just, just kind of freehanding it. Just, just going with the flow, which worked out pretty well. It was, it was pretty epic. There's some good, some good moves. Like looking back, I like, got, oh, that was pretty solid. I don't know how, I don't know where that came from. The one that comes to my mind, I don't remember which obstacle it was, but I think you were coming off one of the obstacles laying on the platform. You did the whole, like, uh, the, um, <laughs> yeah. I don't know which wrestling move is called. Oh, you just, you don't. No. <laughs> the, the pe- dropping the people, the rock, that's the people's <laughs> elbows. So I had heard through the grapevine that Akbar was a, like a, this, uh, undercover wrestling fan. <laughs> and so when I got when, on the city finals night, that's on the back half of the course, after I made up the warp wall, Akbar's all like, ah, like, yeah. And like, I was just, I, dude, I got so jacked. I was like, hey, what? If you like see me, I'm like, come on, watch this. That's I went to the other side and just like, bam, just dropped him on there. It's awesome. <laughs> Hearing, he, I, I wish when for, like, there's another little insider secret for people that don't know, we can't hear, well, I didn't compete in season 12. Uh, the little, like the inside of which everyone was saying, you can hear the, the announcers, uh, Matt and Akbar. Mm. But in normal season, everyone's just going crazy cheering. And so you can't hear anything they're saying. So it's like, it's so disappointing because they're back and forth. And like, especially Akbar, like it's like a ringside announcer. His jokes and his humor that he works in is just pure gold. Mm. And it's like that, I would get so much more jacked up if I heard like his reactions when I was running the course. <laughs> like watching it, go, going back through, like I, I forget all of his lines that he was saying. Oh, um, so many. Oh, yeah, he, he was like calling me like, oh, he's like this ravishing something. I forget the guy's wrestler, but it's like some dude from the 80s with a slick mullet and everything. Like Rando, uh, yeah, it's, R- Randy Macho or something. I, I, I don't uh, know. No, macho Man Randy Savage. That's the one, one I was thinking of. <laughs> There's some other one that, that, that he was like, he, he was saying like, I reminded him of. Um, uh, anyway, so the, the first night in the city qualifiers, I went out on obstacle five, but I did not pump out contrary to what anyone thinks or what it looks like, it was just completely just, I, I'd gotten sidetracked again, like in this, like in the moment, like you're all amped up, like it went better than I expected. I was just like, I was best case scenario, obviously like make it up the wall and hit the buzzer. Mm. But it's like my first time I was like, dude, made it to the fifth obstacle. Like, I guess, I guess that's pretty good. Mm. And as, so it's the, it was the, um, whatever. I, I forget what it's even called. It's like the, the, the bit of hopper. That's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, you got the little, like, they look like a, a Beats by Dre pill speaker, and it, it spins in the middle, right? And so you have to hop up there, and after I made it to the top, like, I'm like, oh, man, this is easy. Like, that was not hard at all. Like, I, I felt really comfortable on him. Mm. Um, I would say for my training, just, like, pull-ups and, like, back and, like, forearm. And my, I have very limited rock climbing, but just because of my, my background and, like, weightlifting and stuff, mm. slopers are my best thing in rock climbing. Little crimpy, pinchy things I'm terrible at. Mm. Like, slopers, like, oh, that's just forearms. I got this all day. Like, I'm going to wreck this obstacle. And so I had crazy confidence going down. And then mm. as you start to go down, you see the warp walls in the background. And mm. then immediately my mind's like, I lost focus on the obstacle oh. I was on. And I'm like, dude, I'm getting that 18. Like all right. When I saw it, I'm like 18, 10,000 bucks, hundred percent. Yeah. Like I'm six, two. If I don't get the 18 footer, like that's, <laughs> that's horrible. There's like guys like six inches short of me that are getting me. I got way longer reach. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so then as I'm coming down, I kicked the thing. Oh. And then it, like, so it was, 
it was, I don't know if they greased up the bearing the first night or what, but that thing was just spinning like a propeller on an airplane. And yeah. like, I tried fixing it, correcting it with my feet like two or three times. And then I'm just like, ah, whatever. Like, I just got to go to it and like try to correct it. And so I was, I was on the, it, the one that I kicked, I think was the last one. And I was on the second to last one is the one that I ended up slipping off on. And so I was thinking in my head, like, you know what? I'm just going to dismount from here. I don't even know if I want to touch the last one. It's like, you can see you're hanging there. And mm. when your feet are swinging out, you're like, ah, if I duck my head, I think I can get by that. Mm. So I just start going and start building up just a huge swing to get off of it. Mm. And on the back swing, just not thinking at all, like just, just completely lost the train of thought because like you don't have on a sloper, you can't do a huge kick. Like mm. you're going to get a powerful kick. It's more of like a kip and you got to mm. just pull yourself off of it. It can't be mm. a huge swing. Mm. And so me, just knucklehead, like I kick my legs forward and this huge backswing. And it's just like, as I peel off, it's just like that time froze. You're just like, oh uh -huh. my gosh, I blew it, didn't I? Um, but I would think I was like, I was like 16th or 17th or 18th or something as far as like top times and top time to that point for the, the city qualifier. So top 30, move on to final. So mm. fortunately it was good enough, but it, like the second night I completely pumped out. That was juiced. That was everything I had on the ninth obstacle but uh, that night it was I, I was like kind of beating myself up over it because like that that's so much more disappointing like when you make a mental error as i'm sure you know mm. it's like if i pump out on something it's like hey man i left it all out on the course that was literally everything i had and probably then some yeah. but when you just make a stupid mental error it's like ugh, that that's something that you just kind of kick yourself and dwell on for a while it's, it's, it's frustrating probably for eternity to be honest i still think about it three years <laughs> oh, I got past that one thing, I would have hit the puzzle. Oh, I would have finished the, you know, you still think about it. Yeah. What was, um, what was the, I guess, response or expectation, say from the producers or, uh, from Matt Nakba on you with your get up? Cause you know, that's like you said before, the biggest fear is, you know, you go on all out, you're going with this crazy character and you know, you bomb out on the first obstacle. So did you feel like that? everyone around you not your friends and family but you know the producers and and, and whatnot do you, did you think they had that expectation or were they do you feel like they were fairly confident i would say i would say yeah oh, really? <laughs> like a hundred percent like everyone so the, okay i can i can say this um which like for now it kind of makes sense why like knowing like meeting him and knowing his personality uh grant island ninja he came up to me and he's like uh it he actually gave me like a little pep talk before the city qualifier run. I forget exactly what he said, mm. but he like, as I was like in the hole, so there's like, or I was like one or two people in front of me. Um, he kind of came up and like super cool, just from out, of, out of blue, gave me a pep talk. So I know if I, I was probably looking like I was sweating bullets there or something. <laughs> but like, yeah, I, I would say more than likely the vast majority of the people thought like, oh, this guy's a costume character, which that, that's like a. All right, we're going to take a short break and hear from our sponsors. Looking to start training like a ninja warrior or take your training to the next level? Well, look no further than Aussie Grip. Aussie Grip provides superior training grips made from pure polyurethane with stainless steel hardware that is corrosion resistant. And they provide free domestic shipping. Aussie Grip are the leading innovators of training grips in Australia. If you are ready to become a ninja warrior, Use the code KADIM10 for 10% off your next purchase using the link in the show notes. Thing. So I was like, mm. oh, costume competitors is like what that's what the producers refer to them as. And like it, you get guys like Janie Ron that are very, very capable, very mm. um, um, 
skilled ninjas mm. that have that and like those like oh yeah we want this because like they have that that little niche that thing mm. that they do and they're also very uh, talented athletes mm. but then you get like some other people that like come out in a costume it's like they, they didn't make it past the quintuple step or the the archer's arrows or whatever the first obstacle is the shrinking steps mm. and it's like okay that <laughs> that's that from a producer I could imagine like that would be frustrating like oh especially like when they do like a big backstory on something it's like okay mm. you slipped off the rope that you were holding like on the first obstacle mm. uh, so and I can actually tell you from experience from talking to the producers that they that is almost the the expectations that they had like that's wow. like they're like, yeah when we first kind of come out there like oh this guy's entertaining but for the reasons that I just explained, it's like, ah, a lot of the costume competitors, like they're just not really, they don't really, can't, can't hang, <laughs> unintended. And uh, so, so that's what they're like, yeah, when we saw like, actually saw, oh, this guy's actually somewhat competent. Uh, <laughs> he can get by on the first few obstacles, at least like he might, he might actually have something here. Like this, mm -hmm. this could do pretty well. And so I'm probably jumping out of order here, but on the skills episode that I won, that I'm the reigning champion in striding steps right now, that, uh, that one of the producers literally came up and told me, he's like, yeah, when we put you up there getting against Grant, we just thought it was going to be entertaining to see you guys run. We didn't think, have any expectations for you to actually win the whole thing. <laughs> like, oh, hey, thanks, man. That's, that's, that means a lot. Like, <laughs> oh, joke's on you, buddy. <laughs> Well, Which, I think, yeah. Sorry, no, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I, I find that kind of surprising from the producers considering you had one of the most unique testing opportunities. I don't think many people have probably had, you know, in the it last been like a year or something. So maybe it's, ah, he was like, he was decent. Yeah. I don't know. Like, yeah, I think when you see a character like that, I think your natural instinct is, <laughs> okay, this guy's just putting on a show. Like, yeah. he's not, he, he, he's not coming out here to perform. When like I I was trying to again with that whole like I'm a hundred percent or nothing like I'm gonna go hundred percent on the training I'm going a hundred percent over the top on my character like I'm gonna go out there and I'm gonna do I'm gonna give it everything I got yeah so that was kind of the the whole mentality with it yeah it's interesting because I had that same fear too exact same fear you know going in with this character I didn't want to wear the the outfit as I ran or sort of at the start line kind of thing but I felt like yeah. it was the only way to get through that that you know just to uh what's the word what's the expression i'm looking for uh you know like we interview you know just get your foot in the front door you know i felt like that was yeah. the only way but i had that played in the back of my mind oh i'm gonna make this big deal i'm traveling all this way <laughs> other side of the world i'm gonna go out on the on the shrinking step <laughs> yeah that so i think that's why the, the finals night i had i was just at, at ease like mm. I, I think I had surprised myself. Like, yeah, I made it to the city finals. That's pretty cool. Like, no matter kind of what happens, like, I got to be stoked on that. Like, not everyone, especially in a ridiculous outfit, makes it. Only 30 out of 100 people make it to the city finals. So, like, I was kind of stoked on that. And then it's like, okay, now the pressure's off. Like, I – whatever. Like, I didn't beef it on the first obstacle the first night. So, it wasn't all just a joke. Like, okay, now, now – so now I can just kind of just focus on performing. Which, like, mm. there was less theatrics on the, on the, on the city final night um just it, a side note that's exhausting by the way when you're out of breath and you're like flexing as hard as you can in between obstacles instead <laughs> of sitting there slowing down your breathing trying to completely get your get your uh, composure back oh, when God, you're yeah. dropping elbows and flexing and screaming and doing like like hollywood hulk hogan stuff to the crowd you, there's no break so that's what 
that that would be my my biggest tip and actually kind of segue into like my my training or we could uh for for season 12 what i was doing is that was my biggest takeaway that i didn't even really i didn't prepare for it as well uh for vegas for the for the finals back in season 11 but during the city finals night like my conditioning was just crap it was so bad and like mm -hmm. by the ninth obstacle like I, I thought I didn't know I was going to be able to like go on after the warped wall. But again, it's just like adrenaline dump after adrenaline dump that like just kept me going through until the ninth obstacle. And it's like, I, I could, I barely could lift my arms and like the course up until that point wasn't pumping. It wasn't like a really grip into pumpy course. It's just when you can't breathe and you can't get oxygen into your lungs and start getting like replenishing your muscles. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know if you, do like sprints on jump rope for 15 minutes and then try to do 10 pull-ups versus just completely fresh going to do 10 pull-ups like yeah. that's it it's it it's so it's exponentially harder when you can't breathe when you're out of breath like completely okay. at like like 220 230 heart rate beats per minute and then you're trying to do like just simple just hanging things it's exhausting oh absolutely that was my biggest takeaway from the city finals night which ironically i didn't really prepare much more i, I would like go on runs I guess, so that was just out of ignorance because I'm just kind of learning as I go. Like my other training, like prior to doing Ninja, I was just, oh, I'm going to do pull-ups and think I'm going to get really strong and good at Ninja. So I thought like, oh, I'm going to go do running and I'm going to like do jump roping, which I feel like was somewhat more, because it's a little bit more explosive than running. Like it would have been much more functional if I had just done sprints, 30 second break, sprint, everything I got, 30 second break. I'll just go run a 5k and I'm like, I did so much cardio. My conditioning is going to be crazy, but it's like, that wasn't uh like specific training i wasn't honing in to a specific skill set that i needed to harness in mm. order to excel at ninja which it's it's like high intensity interval training just 110 percent very short rest everything you got to failure very short rest mm. it's like that's what the obstacles are on the show you have 30 seconds to rest and the producer's like hey you have to go or you're out of here like you mm. can't rest anymore and mm. it's like they'll tell you on the sidelines like you have to go you can't rest anymore which mm. like they kind of cut that out for the TV magic of everything but like that. Mm. And like all the in and L's and UNX and, and UNA, like they're all going to be 30 second breaks typically. Like it, if trying to, trying to keep it just so you keep it going. So people aren't just standing there. And um, that was, yeah, that, that, that was the biggest like takeaway that I got from all of it. Just my lack of conditioning and how crappy it was. Man, considering, especially, uh, you know, watching it over the years and seeing, I think I think because I don't even think the city finals course used to be ten obstacles. I think they've added one in over the last couple of years. I think it used to be nine. I think, and I feel like now it's ten, or is it always ten? It's always been ten. Oh really? Oh 10, yeah. They they always just switch the. I feel like the obstacle that's changed the most is the tenth obstacle. They because it was a spider climb, and then it was like the invisible ladder, mm. and then uh, and then it was kind of the the thing that they've been sticking with now is like the spider climb with the the shelves that you got to push up and stuff. Yeah, I, I think the invisible ladder was sick. That was the best one, because who? I, I, mean, I could be wrong, but I don't know anyone, at least in the last couple seasons, that's failed the uh, the spider climb with the shelves. Mm. Is there anyone that you can think of? No, I could unless, be wrong. Unless they of, unless they slipped, but nothing nothing comes to mind. But I always felt yeah, like, like no one pumps out on it. Yeah, they're not that. They say like, oh, they're fifty pounds, or it's like not that heavy like just just pushing it like it's not like you're even doing like an overhead press you can use your body and your mm. head and kind of just nudge it up there mm. and like the second you get past that fulcrum point too all those 50 pounds aren't on it it's getting lighter and lighter once you get past that fulcrum point so it's, 
Yeah. I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying that, that uh, the invisible <laughs> ladder one, that one, like that just pumps you out. That's, I think that was a way better finishing one. Oh, like, kind 100%. Of, it tends to almost become like a gimme. Coming, coming from the guy who's never even made it there. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I agree. I agree with you. I mean, we've had the invisible ladder for quite some time. I think now we've gone into the, uh, yeah, just the chimney shoes, just straight up. Uh, yeah. Actually, I think we did have the doors. I think we had the doors our last season, but I, I, I do prefer the spider climb. I do uh, spider climb. Invisible ladder. I think it's just like yeah. the ultimate, like, grind it out just exactly yes you know all or nothing you know it's all i mean i haven't done it personally either but watching it you know i feel like it's definitely more um exciting than yeah than just, just it, it, like if i already be that would be my my last exercise and like a workout that i'd be doing because like it's everything you got just you gotta just dig deep and just get through this last one that's oh. that's what you want to see like for the last set or the last obstacle i feel like 100 percent so, you know, I think you came, I was reading, I think you came ninth, actually. So, uh, for, uh, to, uh, in the city finals to go. To, oh, yeah. But I don't know if it, it was top, was it top 12 that year? Top 12, yeah. Oof, so, you know. That's, yeah, so that, that was my kind of thought like, going into like, oh, cool. The first year I get on, they knock off three positions that go to Vegas. Like, that's really helping my odds here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it was, was yeah. Sorry. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, so what was then that like? Just that moment of going, oh my God, I've qualified for finals. It, it was pretty surreal. It was kind of like, took a little while to set in. Because like, again, I didn't like, I, I, I had high expectations, but it's like, dude, some of these guys are just unreal. Like they, what they're capable of. Like I haven't been trained in this. Like some of these guys have been doing this for 10 years. Like I'm, hmm. I'm just a noob rookie and a silly mullet. Um, so like, yeah, I was, I was honored and, and, and very excited, uh, to, to get that opportunity to go compete in Vegas. So it was, it was pretty awesome. I like that drive home. So you film all night and I live, I used to, I don't anymore. I've moved, but I used to live in, uh, Ventura County, which is like a 45 minute drive from the set at Universal Studios. So I remember like driving home, like as the sun was rising the next morning, just like, oh man, like this is pretty awesome. And, like a dream you've been chasing for years. Like I get to go to the national finals, like. It's pretty wild stuff. It was cool. That's awesome. Did you, did you rep, um, how did you change your training for Vegas? That, that's kind of what I was going into earlier. Like I just, I realized like it was my cardio. Mm. Again, I, I didn't approach it with like the, this specific style of training in mind. It's like, oh, just do, go, go for a jog or go do, it's like I was doing a 5K. Like I, I kind of went through a thing when I was training like a 5K every day for a month. Kind of caught, I know like Jamie Ron, I think had that. And I saw him like, oh yeah, I could do that. Or he was doing it like every day for like a year or something. Mm. It's like, I'm going to, I'm going to give that a go and just start doing cardio. Just get my conditioning, like my endurance per se, but it's, it's a different type of endurance. It's like this slower pace, long-term, just 25 minutes, continuous, keeping your, your pulse, your heart rate at the same. Mm. Uh, whereas Ninja is radically different than that. It's like, it's again, it's failure short rest, failure, short rest, everything you have as explosive as you can be and a very short amount of rest time where you don't fully recover. So it's just, it's that compounding fatigue that sets in obstacle after obstacle after obstacle. And that's the whole challenge in Ninja. If you take any one obstacle with the exception of like some, some very challenging ones, like stage three type of stuff, mm. uh, they're all pretty easy on their own. Like they're not, I can say that out of experience from testing. I'm like any one obstacle, anyone can do it on any given day. Like they're, they're not, they're not that hard. It's the mm. compounding effect from that fatigue that starts to set in, just mm. for, which comes from endurance and uh, 
and that stamina that you get from training that for, for so long. Oh, absolutely. Especially stage one, I think there is no stopping. I mean, that block oh, yeah. is, like, there is no rest. You really cannot afford to rest at all. Uh-uh. Um, yeah, I and that's like, I, I had thought, thinking I had been training for that and just like going on those runs. And that's like by the first three obstacles that I got through, like I, it was no risk. It was like, all right, just got to go. Just got to go. Just got to go. It's like, you're kind of trying to control your breathing for like that five seconds as you're walking on the platform or something. So mm. it doesn't look like you're resting, but you're kind of composing yourself and then just go. And uh, I can segue into this too. So the double dipper was obstacle three, the one that I went out on. Uh, so <laughs> I you prepare for that. <laughs> so, so, typically you don't get to see that that's all part of the secret like part of the fun in ninjas like you don't get you don't know what obstacles you're going to face that's the big hush hush thing like there's <laughs> there's there's some shenanigans that goes on but no one's supposed to know what obstacles there there are because then they're like, oh we can go train for that because that's that's part of it too it's like all these unexpected things things you've never seen before that's what keeps the show exciting right mm. so so in vegas is no different and so however in season 10 there was like a third of the top contenders. Like I think like flip Joe Morofsky, just that I can think of off the top of my head. Like they went out on the double dipper. Mm. So there's like, I, I, it was something that at least I was told had never happened before. All the competitors, we got to go test that obstacle the night before we were actually to compete in Vegas, um, oh, wow. which is kind of unprecedented because again, like, Oh man, you can see everything. But in Vegas, it's set out right off the strip. All you gotta do is walk by it and you can see everything. So people yeah. have seen it, but However, they didn't want, and I have binoculars in my room at the Luxor. I was sitting up there trying to like, <laughs> kind of help, but it really didn't at all. I could just see really small versions of the obstacles. Like as far as strategizing, it did not help at all. But I got like 30 bucks at Walmart in Vegas to buy these cheesy binoculars. It didn't help at all. Huge waste of money. Actually, <laughs> they're right here. <laughs> my office is in my closet. And I have my binoculars and all my hunting stuff in here. So those are all from Vegas. Um, anyway, so I, I'm digressing. So the, uh, the double dipper, we got to test it the night before and I had never done it. It is very intimidating, especially if someone's like, Oh, it was my first time in Vegas. Mm. Um, I, I had tested the obstacles the year before, but I didn't get to test the double dipper. I tested mm. the striding steps, the, the, the last obstacle on there and the, the Jeep run. Mm. And so, so I never got to touch the double dipper. So you walk up there, it's like, dude, that platform, it's like, you're like 25, 30 feet up. It's, it's definitely intimidating. Like, it's like, Oh man, like, all right, no, like we just got to go. Mm. And so when I did it, I like didn't, didn't know what to do with the body. Didn't know like what the body control technique was on it. Like all I knew is like, it's a spinning bar. You're going to hit some serious G's in like that dip and a spinning bar. Like if you're not switch grip, like you're probably like, unless you have crazy grip, gnarly grip strength, you're super light. Like which mm. some guys are, you're probably mm. going to peel off. So switch grip and just kind of went for it. And what I did, like, I left my feet on the platform and then, like, kind of inch out a little bit, a little bit, like, all right, here we go. And then, so what, what that did, though, is, like, you come down, it's kind of like that dip, and then you launch up. So if you, if you drag your feet behind you, when you start coming down that first track, your mm. feet are swinging down. So then you get that swinging momentum at the bottom of the dip instead of right when you release, which is after you start to go back up. Mm. So what that causes you to do is it throws you off balance. And so I was leaning back when I hit the stop and I released the go to the next bar. So instead mm. of like my feet pointing down and my hands flying at it, I was flying at the bar like this, like leaning oh, back. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And my right foot hit the bar 
and like I kind of like in the, the the heat the heat of the moment like I kind of kicked it and the bar flew up and I was able to switch grip and grab it and I pulled it into my chest and somehow landed on the rail and rode it out and I landed on the pad and that's what um uh um oh man why am I drawing a blank on on it right now um man <laughs> maker ninja like Kevin Carbone okay yeah, so, yeah. Kevin Carbone is on the sidelines I'll do that was crazy that was cool but like don't drag your feet on the platform so that's what afterwards that's he's like i've done it before and he probably i don't know if he invented that obstacle the guy like invents half the obstacles on the show mm. um that's he's like when you step off the platform just keep your feet hanging straight down and just kind of go off like you don't want to lean out really far first because what'll happen like you'll get kicked back when you do that first release so i was like all right cool like now i have i have the move i know i know the beta on it and i did it this time like in horrible fashion like it was miracle that I was even able to hang on to it and grab it so the second night going into that like again you're kind of in that like this is a sprint I just got to go 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 I don't have time to think about anything the only thing I thought of was like right when I got up there after that second like the spin cycle or whatever the second obstacle was uh it's just like all right do not drag your feet just like step off and hop and just go and try to keep like your feet hanging down mm. and so I did that and when I hit the release it was like perfect like my hands were slightly I was maybe leaning like 10 degrees for like, oh man, this is easy. I got this no problem. Um, but I did like, since I was flying like that, like I just instinctually went double overhand on it. Mm. And so right when I caught the bar, like it was felt buttery smooth. Like I felt like I flew right into it. Mm. And, uh, and then as I started going down into the dip, I'm thinking like, okay, this is a lache. So I'm going to swing off of it. So when I got to the bottom of the dip, my arms were completely stretched out as they would be if you're trying to do a lache. Mm. And the night before when I had caught the bar, I brought it into my chest because I was freaking out, super tense, and I barely was able to grab it. Mm. So when I hit that second dip, like that launches you onto the landing platform, mm -hmm. you, got, you got this right here. Just like mm. if you're holding a lock off, if your grip's failing, but you're able to still lock off, you can grip on better because like mm. it's going to take some of that tension from your grip and transfer mm -hmm. it down into your biceps, your lats that you're holding mm -hmm. it. When you're completely stretched out, it, that's just, that's hundred percent grip. Mm -hmm. So as I'm like trying to build a kick thinking I need to lache off of it when mm -hmm. you just really got to let go and it launches you mm -hmm. as I did, it's just like just the G forces at the bottom of that just oh. completely peeled me off. And I saw I hit like the, the landing platform and then fell back into the water. So even oh. still, I was like, ah oh, man, if I'd been like another foot or two, but it, it's all good. I mean, I did, I made it to Vegas first year. So I was like, oh, I was stoked on it. Like it, it, it was very much like the, the city qualifier night though. Like I didn't go out because like I was pumped out. I went out on a mental air and then like the injury was like, I completed the obstacle the night before and then I fail on it when it actually counts. But when it didn't matter at all, I did it. Yeah. So it, you have that haunt me. Like I shouldn't have even tested it. I should have just gone into it blind and which I never tested because then I would have been super intense and I, I wouldn't have been like so laxed on it and like underestimated it because that's totally definitely what I did. Mm, yeah, that's interesting. I think, I mean, obviously I've never experienced, uh, I guess, a finals even on the Australian one, but you know, with Vegas, it just seems like it's its own separate beast. Like oh, it is. the obstacles that they come up with are just, you know, where are you going to see them? You're not even going to see them in other countries because there's no space. You know, yeah. we have, we have such, so I don't know how some of those guys can prepare. Obviously I know a lot of them build like when I was at grit um, in New York with uh, Lucio, you know, Lucio with some of the, the obstacles they have and, and obviously they've rebuilt. And I think a few other gyms have rebuilt Vegas style obstacles, but 
you never know what they're going to throw at you. And I guess something like the Big Dipper is unless you've got the proper spacing, it's hard. How do you, how do you prepare? Very few people can actually like, can, can facilitate that in their backyard or their property or whatever. Like it's, oh, it's not man. something you go to your local gym, like, hey, do you have a full-size double dipper here? <laughs> no, right. The only one I've ever seen in a backyard is, is in, at some Japanese guy's house. And I think when the competitors from America go to Japan, I've seen them train at this person's house uh, and he's got a double dipper i don't think it's full size but it's it's got the it's got the right curves and everything oh nice um, i, I want to say there, there's i think there's a couple gyms that have like pretty close to scale double dippers now but oh wow there's like a, a couple of them across the country it's not very accessible to 90 percent of the population so yeah yeah, yeah that's people get like everyday regular practice on them mm, oh, 100 percent Man, I reckon we could keep talking for ages, but I've got a friend who's going to pick me up soon. We've got to, I've got to go help him out with something. But um, I do, I do, uh, I had some questions from some people. They wanted to know, I mean, it was pretty much the same question, just asked differently. It was like, how does this guy get so jacked? <laughs> what does this guy eat? So uh, what is your, what is the secret to the Chad Flexington, if you can share? Yes, and that's one of my biggest things. Like, I love helping people and educating them on on diet choices um i i, I <laughs> you preface that with the wrong statement by saying hey man, i kind of got to go in a few minutes because i will I, I talk for hours on this it's something <laughs> that's a passion of mine something i've been um i've been interested in and reading and educating myself on for 32 probably i got into serious weightlifting in high school playing football when i was like 15 14 yeah. so I've got, I've got, I've, I've got, I've got enough time. I've got enough time. I just had to say that just so I, I, I can, I can keep track. But now nah, we got time. We got time. Tell me. Well, I won't give you a super, super winded answer. Um, however, it's. I'm gonna go out <laughs> limb and say that the vast majority, overwhelming majority of any, and I'm gonna call it dogma that you hear in the fitness industry about what are the good diet techniques is what you should be eating. There's, there's a, there's something you should be eating for. If you're trying to make specific gains, like, you know, my goal is weight loss. You can, you can lose a lot of weight, very unhealthy ways. Mm. And that's, I, I know from a lot of experience from years and years of like, look in hindsight, hindsight's always 2020. Mm. Um, it's terrible. It was taxing on my body. And I, I have found this out through numerous, numerous injuries and all these things. And I started looking into like, okay, well, like what supplements can I take? I keep, when I first got into Ninja, finger injuries, torn ligaments, just, just repeatedly over and over again, my knuckles. That's why I was like, I will never be able to complete stage three just because I always have some, like I jammed my finger, I twisted it, I sprained it. There's something wrong that like mm. is inhibiting my, my vertical grip strength and my crimp strength. Like I just continued jacking myself up. Mm. I started looking in like, like I always have like, okay, well, I'm, I got this good diet. My body fat's as low as I can. So my power to weight ratio is maximized. And yet, like, I'm susceptible to injuries, which baffled me because it's like, dude, I think of myself as a very healthy person, very health conscious. I'm eating less lean chicken, eating mm. um, just all the things you're supposed to do. Lots of, lots of broccoli, lots of Brussels sprouts, lean chicken, mm. lean turkey, avoiding mm. these red meats, fat-free mm. milk, all this stuff. And it, it, I got good, gain, got good results in the sense that I lost weight. I got really low body fat, mm. and I was able to put on muscle. Now you can have very calorie dense food that is devoid of essential nutrients for your body. If you don't get 
vitamin A, if you're severely, uh, chronically deficient vitamin A, you can go blind. Your vision starts becoming damaged. Why? Because our body is, we have certain nutritional requirements. If you have uh, extreme vitamin C deficiencies, that's what causes the disease scurvy. That's a, something in the early 20th century that took out a lot of people and it was just, you don't have vitamin C. Mm. In hindsight, again, 2020, it's all so simple. Mm. And so I completely radically changed my approach to diet. And this is something that's happened in the last probably since, since I competed even on the show. Like looking back now, like what I would put my body through is like, that is so stupid. Like, <laughs> sure. Like, and, and I could get there and I can maintain that low of a body fat for extended periods of time. However, yeah. if you're doing that, the, the small amounts of food that you are eating, it is absolutely paramount that in those little, little, little snippets of food that you're getting throughout the day, you need to get the most nutrient dense food, give your body the essential nutrients and requirements that it, that it needs. Mm. And I, I, I had this in my mind from over a decade and like weightlifting and trying to like, Oh, I gotta be jacked, bro. Like I gotta go bench 350 and lift and I gotta get my six pack on. Mm. And it's like, following all the bodybuilding.com form and all these guys and doctors that are like, Oh yeah, this, this is how, this is what you need to be eating. Mm. And it's like, People say, oh, you're not a scientist. You can't say this. You don't know this. Like, no, I, I have I have real world experience. Like, I, I, I would dare to say that I'm very educated in this field. I'm very knowledgeable in it. And I have the real world experience and results to, to back. Um, it might, again, this is my, my opinion, but I'm very, I, I am very um, passionately uh, in, ha have this opinion. So mm. um, that being said, my whole diet has gone back to more traditional diets. So I'm eating very, very large amounts of grass-fed, pasture-fed red meat. I eat a lot of organ meat, liver, kidney, heart, all of the things that like in modern diets are very taboo. Those, if you look back in traditional diets, um, you being from Australia, a lot of the, the Aboriginal cultures, they they knew these things that was there the, some one of the most hearty groups of people's cultures of people in human history and it's like if you look at what 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 they would eat their diet was just like raw, raw meat uh, focusing on the organ meat because they knew that was the most nutrient dense food mm. um so a, lo a lot of red meat i rarely eat chicken I, I do it's not like i don't avoid it like my mm. wife wants to cook like a roasted chicken yeah. I'm gonna eat it. I'm also gonna get the gizzard, all the innards. I'm getting the the kidneys, the liver, the heart, and eating all that. Wow. Um, so that that that's key. That would be one of my biggest things. Is like is organ meat. That's super super overlooked, and it is literally uh, a multivitamin. That that's what it is. It is a natural God given multivitamin for us. That is just like liver. If you look at like the cost of liver per pound, if you're buying meat, it's like it's trash meat. Like tri-tip is more expensive than it, which like tri-tip isn't a, even a very nice cut of, of meat to eat. And yet the liver, which has exponentially more nutrient nutritive value than the tri-tip would, it's cheaper. Wow. It's like, like oh, it tastes gross. It's, I don't want to eat liver. Um, so my diet, my diet recommendations now from a nutritive point of view, uh, a lot of red meat. Um, uh, the reason why I would do that over chicken is Chickens are alive before they go to slaughter for months. Cows are alive for years. They have much more time to accumulate micronutrients in their meat, which we're then going to get when we ingest said meat. So it's, it's simple as that. But then even, even keeping that in mind, not all meat's going to be uh, created equal. If you have a cow that spent its whole life in a feedlot, in a piece of dirt that's shaded from the sun, 
that is eating corn and soy-based food as opposed to a cow which is grazing on open pasture eating nutrient-dense rapidly growing grasses mm. from nutrient-rich soil with diverse soil ecology which is helping grow these nutrient plants like mm. it all goes up that food chain and so like if you're eating animals like that that have been stuck in this like uh, this factory farming environment if you will that's that, that, that's why a lot of these red meats, a lot of like bacon, it gets like a really bad route. Oh, it's really high in fat, omega-6 fats. It's like, well, what's its diet like? That animal is going to be made up of all the constituent items that it's ingesting. So it's like you're, if you're feeding crap to this animal and then you eat that said crappy animal, you're going to be eating crap, obviously. Makes sense. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's the same thing. Like I kind of have a unique perspective in this working in agronomy and agriculture and uh, research and development. If you have a plant, and it's, it's, it's unhealthy, it's typically because it's deficient in nutrients, even if it's got some sort of susceptibility to a pathogen, uh, whether it be an insect or fungi or something, typically because it doesn't have the, uh, the, the requirements to mount any sort of defense to, against it. Mm. It's deficient calcium, potassium, magnesium, cal whatever it may be, whatever element it may be. Mm. Um, it's, it, and so it's like if you're, you're going to be eating those plants, or eating like tomatoes from a tomato plant that was very deficient in these nutrients. Of course, when it's photosynthesizing and storing and loading all these nutrients in its fruit, it's gonna be deficient in those same nutrients. And so it's gonna be growing, it's gonna be a weak plant that produces weak fruit that don't have very high nutritive value. So then you're eating that and you're not, you're not getting what you should be getting, which mm. like I said, I could, I could probably be talking about this all, all day long. And <laughs> awesome. Explanations for it, but if I were to just give some key pointers, eat, get organic grass-fed meat. It's going to be far more rich in micronutrients. Again, something that's majorly, majorly overlooked in most diets. And I, again, speaking out of experience, I was focused on proteins, fats, and carbs. I want to hit all my macros. If you dial that in, you can get the results you want, which you can on the surface. Just because you see some guy who's really skinny, he could be a drug addict. He could be the most <laughs> unhealthy person in the world. It's like, oh, look at that. He looks like he's pretty fit. It's like, no, look at his liver and look at his organs. The guy's dying, right? So it's like, I feel like that's, that's just an extreme example to drive home a point that it's like, just because you're eating what you think are the right things, are you giving your body exactly what it needs and all the nutrients? So I try to focus, limit my things from unprocessed, just natural, unadulterated foods. Uh, nothing preserved. Try to get as fresh as I can. Like, if you get the meat, just freeze it. Um, try to eat some some fresh fruits and vegetables. Um, but I would stick to the, the pasture-raised meat. Uh, it can be chicken. It can be turkey. It can be any sort of game, venison, uh, deer, like, if you have that available to you. But mm. one thing that most might surprise some people is I have bacon literally every single morning. I love bacon. <laughs> I love it. Uh, now we, we You pay a little bit of a premium to get, like, a pasture-raised pig. Mm. Uh, but you're getting very good, healthy food. It's going to have a much a better balance of omega-3 and omega-6 fats. Um, it's going to have cholesterol, which that, that's a whole, I can go off on a whole thing on cholesterol. <laughs> and all these things that like in this traditional dogma, which even, even doctors will tell you, oh, you shouldn't have that. And you ask them like, oh, like what, what experience do you have like on, on, on nutrition? Like what, what should someone's nutrition be like? Oh, I don't know. So they, can, they can treat all these symptoms and they're brilliant and very good at doing it. However, it's like, what if, how, how can we can avoid these in the first place? Like what, 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 what uh, do we need to be getting in our diet that can, that can prohibit these things from ever even occurring? Mm. So, sorry, I keep getting, keep, keep completely sidetracking and can go off uh, on, on tangents for days. So <laughs> oh, man, that's, that's so good. Meat, eggs, lots of eggs. Don't do what I did for over a decade and like, oh bro, I'm getting these lean egg whites. I'm going to look so jacked. They're so good for me. 
all the nutrients, all the nutrients are in the yolk. Mm. Linda, if you were to break down the nutritive value of the white versus the yolk, it's 99 to one. Don't, don't waste part of the egg. Eat whole eggs. Don't eat egg whites. Again, this is like, oh, you're speaking like, no, that's, I should have egg yolks because like there are egg whites, they're leaner. Like that's Mm. going to help me achieve my, my fitness goals and gains. It's like, it can, you're right. Cause it's just, Mm. you're in a caloric deficit. You're going to lose weight, but it's not what your body needs, which you can't excel and do perform optimally in whatever you're doing without giving your body the right fuel that it needs. So egg yolks, lots of seafood crustaceans, different fresh fish, uh, fish eggs, super, super dense in, in good fats and micronutrients. Um, any, wow. Anything from the sea, essentially anything from the ocean, eat lots of it. That would probably be the best, the best way to summarize that. Um, organ meat, uh, dairy. So this is a whole, this is a whole nother topic too. When you get into dairy, most people are like, oh, I have a dairy allergy. It's like, well, do you? perhaps you're missing something in your diet that is prohibiting the enzymatic reaction that you're going to have in your gut to properly digest it and assimilate the nutrients. Maybe that's it. Maybe you're missing something else, which is having inhibiting your body's ability to perform normal tasks like Mm -hmm. have dairy. For example, I, this right here, this is, this is raw milk from a local cow. So we only drink raw milk, not pasteurized, not homogenized. Um, so there's, there's, there's lots of uh, bacteria that come in on these unadulterated foods or like milk, for example, uh, is loaded with lactobacillus, which is a digestive enzyme. It, it's in milk. When you pasteurize it, you kill it. You destroy that bacteria. So of course your body's going to have a hard time digesting it because the microbes that are there that are essential and necessary to help your body digest it are missing. They've been eradicated through the pasteurization process, which just cooks them and kills them. The reason being is because you're going to kill any uh, E. coli or salmonella or anything like that that could ride in and use that as a host or a vector to, to, to carry that. Mm. But that, that's going back to that. Well, if you have an animal that grew up in a really crappy feedlot environment that's going to be prone and susceptible to getting these bacteria and stuff because it's, an, it's not a clean environment, it's not sterile, it's not exposed to sunlight, natural environment that it's supposed to be in, mm. then it's like the cow gets the bad rap. Like, oh, don't eat cow, don't eat dairy, because it's bad. You could get salmonella if you drink raw milk, or you get E. coli, listeria. I think that's the main one too with raw milk, raw dairy products. You get listeria because the bacteria that grows in it. It's like listeria isn't, it, it isn't just inherently in milk. And it's like, or these E. coli, it's like if they grew up in an environment and then that, that cow, the milk, the udders, whatever, they came in contact with some surface that had that on it, it's going to mm. hitch a ride in on the milk. It's like, oh, milk is bad. Don't have mm. that. Or I have a dairy problem. Um, that's, that's another thing too. So you're going to drink milk, drink full milk, raw milk, lots of fat. You want all that fat in there. <laughs> and uh, fruits and vegetables, you can throw them in there. It's like, oh, I want to have a banana. I want to have an apple. There's some veggies like I, I eat fruits and vegetables, but I'm not like, I have to get this, which I yeah. used to be. Every single meal, balancing out all my macros, my nuts and carbs, I got to get a serving of vegetables. I got to get spinach. I got to eat my broccoli. I got to eat my Brussels sprouts. Everything in the brassica family is very, very, very hard, non-fermented for human bodies to digest. So what that means is old Chad Flexington was ripping them all day long for years and my wife would like literally say, you, Ben, you, honest to God, have, there's something wrong with you. You <laughs> you smell like I'd be farting all the time. And I thought, oh, it's just because I'm having protein shakes and like, it's my diet because I'm on a jack diet, babe. That's why I'm farting. <laughs> and it's like, lo and behold, you eliminate these certain things. Um, 
that what I was going on the brassicas, they, they're loaded with nutrients, yes, but they're also very difficult for our bodies to load with anti-nutrients, which you can look into and see what that is, and different compounds that are hard for our bodies to digest. And so that's why you get flatulence as a result of that, because it's struggling. You're not getting all those nutrients out of it, and a lot of it's just going at it being excreted as waste. Yeah. However, ferment these items prior to consuming them, it pre-digests them and breaks them down. And then when you do eat them, it's much easier in your digestive tract. Uh, you're not going to get any gas, you're not going to have any bloating, and you're going to actually be able to assimilate all the nutrients from them. So if you mm. do eat veggies, ferment them. <laughs> and I, I hate to cut you off, but I, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I reckon we could do a whole other episode about how... I'm sick of hearing your nutritional tips, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we could do a whole episode on this, but uh, mate, this has been absolutely epic. I'm, I'm, I'm so glad we were able to, to link this one up. I think there's some, some very interesting things for people to think about, especially with how they approach your application and, 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 you know, how to, how to create a storyline effectively from not so not from nothing, but from something that you wouldn't think would be something. Um, and just in general, bro, you're such a cool dude. I, I'm really, I'm really glad we could actually meet finally. Um, but, um, maybe, maybe when the time comes, you can come out to Australia. <laughs> yeah. You bring the whole outfit. <laughs> I, could I, wouldn't, I wouldn't come without it. <laughs> I could do a whole vlog of you traveling the country. Oh, this. Hopefully by that time, I'll have the real mullet, so I won't need the wig. <laughs> You'll come to the gym and like, hey, listen, I'm sorry. I don't know this guy. Come <laughs> arrest this man. I don't know who this is. This guy is demented. <laughs> oh, man. Ben, it's been an absolute pleasure, man. I'll... um. I'll, uh, yeah, I'll, we'll, we'll do this again. I'd love to do this again. We could talk about the nutrition stuff a little bit more and, um, I'll make sure I send you my video. You can, you can tell me. Yeah. What. I want to check that out. <laughs> so you got my email. See, so you can send it over. I'm, I'll, I'll be expecting it. hundred percent. All right, Ben, you take care, buddy. You have a good All one. Right. Have a good one. Take care. See ya. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode on The Way of the Ninja podcast. If you would like to be kept in the loop, please subscribe today. If you would like to help support the podcast and help us grow, please consider becoming a Patreon member today. There is a link in the show notes or else you can go directly to our Instagram page at 52 ninja